Mustache left me a note. Visit Kilgore. Somehow he'd known that stopping by was on my list and I'd ignored the old man instead. In between Kilgore and Ollie was the fact that I hadn't gotten any further on Jesse's case. It twisted in my stomach. I'd been flat out ignoring the reason I'm here. I decided today was going to be different. I know I keep saying that, but today I was going to follow my purpose. Tackle Kilgore's problem quickly and efficiently so I could keep moving to Jesse. Episode 8, Get Your Mind Right. It was warm outside, just nice enough to get some sun on your skin. As I passed through the parking lot, I saw Francine, Damien, Mrs. Chen, all the usual faces. Up the stair to Kilgore's, I, I caught a chill, like the air conditioning in every unit was leaking out of each nook and cranny. When Kilgore finally opened the door, he looked surprised to see me. Mr. Moody, it's good to see you again. After I didn't hear from you, I thought about our feathered friend. I wondered if she was the reason for your belabored return. That reminder felt a bit like a smack in the head. I'd almost forgotten. I'd pushed the horror of that whole afternoon out of my memory. Buried it deep so I could keep moving. I didn't want to talk about it, but Kilgore looked like he needed to spill his guts. How do you give someone what they need without cutting yourself open? I, um, I, I didn't mean to upset you the other day. I, it was difficult. The little birdie's in a better place now, Mr. Kilgore. Mr. Kilgore smiled at me with whiter teeth than I anticipated. Will you join me inside? I made tea, and I'd love to get back to it before it cools. He brought me inside, into the living room. A fancy tea set was already set up on the coffee table. When Kilgore asked me if I wanted some, I didn't decline this time. How is the search going? Did you find Jesse yet? I didn't want him to know about my progress. Lack of progress. I wasn't going to say anything to anyone until I knew what I was doing. I was only here to do what Mustache had asked. I got to the matter at hand. Is something wrong with the AC? The hallway outside is like an icebox, like all the units are pushing the air outside. I figured that's why you called. Kilgore gave me a cockeyed look. He set forward like I said something particularly interesting. He shook his head. Did Kilgore not remember he put in a work order about his air conditioning? Was it just a ploy to get me to come drink his smelly tea? You put in a work order, Mr. Kilgore. I came to help you. Yes, of course. Although it is fascinating that the air is cycling in reverse. It is far from the issue at hand. And what is the issue at hand? 
You didn't hear the symphony when you entered? I'm surprised it's overwhelming. A, a guttural opus. A low melodic kind of hum that comes and goes. Something stirring. Like how you might imagine the stars would sing to us if they could. Listen for yourself. He smiled and pointed a knobby finger towards a rusty AC grate by his velvet couch. I put my tea on the table, walked to the couch, kneeled down on the floor and put my ear up against the register, and listened. I gave it a couple of seconds, but still nothing. And I was just about to tell him that, but I got lost staring at the old man. Kilgore was standing perfectly straight, with his shoulders up, his eyes closed, and his arms in the air, waving up and down like a conductor. Yes. Yes, that's true. To go beyond is to forgive. Uh, what? Mr. Kilgore, I didn't hear anything that... It was so low at first. At the end of a tunnel and getting closer. Like the vibration of a crystal wine glass. Only more than that. Something vocal. And then it changed. I don't really know my musical terms, but... The key changed, maybe? Then again, it wasn't the hum of a machine on the fritz. It wasn't like a wheezing compressor. It was a song. And then I... I started seeing things. Vivian bringing home our dog, Roscoe, for the first time. Benny falling off the monkey bars onto the kid next door. Me spilling a beer all over Viv's first proud stab at painting. My dad slamming and breaking the back door after the dinner that one Sunday. It was just one after another. I fell back onto the floor and the music, the pictures, they all stopped. I turned to Kilgore who didn't look like he'd seen anything that just happened to me. A moment and then his eyes slowly opened and turned to me. You walk these grounds without a spring in your step, without absorbing what's around you, without energy. And when I heard this, I thought, what better teacher to push you along than the music that pulses through the aluminum veins of the buildings you care for? He had just spoken another language to me, and the words jammed into my ears like some sort of warmed, overbeat poetry. But they made half-cocked kind of sense. Like a dream where you're speaking gibberish, but it's as clear to you as the memory of your first kiss. What do you want from your time here, Mr. Moody? I want to find Jessie. What does she have to do with you? You keep running away to find her, but I asked about you. My next words came from the same deep place as the visions I had. I want to find her to do right by somebody for once. I know I have that inside of me. I want to dig it out. If I can do that, then maybe I can do even better for the people here, or anywhere. We all think we're complete. Finished learning, listening, opening ourselves up to others, and to ourselves. But you, here and now, Leo, this is a moment, like so many that have come before and will come again. A significant moment. A violent moment. You won't be the same again, ever. And tomorrow, something else will fork your path, and you'll find yourself another grand discovery.
He leaned over the chair close to me, and when he touched my face, his hands were surprisingly soft and warm. I didn't back away. The one constant in our lives is change, Mr. Moody. And self-awareness, forgiveness, actualization. That is when you find wisdom and solace in the new. And when he smiled at me, that music, that song picked up again. But it wasn't just filling my ears. My entire body was starting to tremble. Kilgore's face began to droop and swirl like the sweaty foam in his teacup. That smirk was now a wild makeup smear across his cheek. I tried calling out to Kilgore, at least I, I think I did, but I didn't do any good. Then the drab carpet floor beneath me suddenly sank, and I was in the open air, falling with colors and shadows swirling all around me. And that song, the song getting louder and louder, and my bones shattering and being put back together in time with it, and over and over and over again, and then... I was standing upright in a room, with no windows or doors, just a nightstand that looked like Benny's propped up in the corner. The walls were gray. It looked like a house that desperately needed a family. A house that looked a lot like the Fixer Upper Vivin I bought. I mean, could it be? I walked over to a rip in the wallpaper above the nightstand and began to peel it away, slowly. Like I knew what might be underneath, because I did know. Because this was 1321 Ashtree Lane. And underneath the wallpaper was Benny's familiar little scrawl of an astronaut. Or an alien. The drawing was too faint to tell here. But I knew it was his. I was brushing away some of the dried glue off the wall when I realized there was no sound. At all. I couldn't hear the rustling of the paper. Or my footsteps or even my breath. And then... A slamming door broke the silence. The light in the room got brighter, and an electric hum grew along with it. Then, heavy footsteps. Angry. Suddenly, a part of the wall, it misted away, sand blowing in the wind. And I could see Vivian. My God, it was her. Her golden hair, those eyes. Colder than I remember. She slowly walked into the room like a ghost. I yelled her name and tried to run up to her, but I suddenly couldn't move. She stood there in the middle of the room, back against the door, with a balled-up stack of papers in her fist. Then she gently relaxed her grip and they fell to the floor. I glanced down and I could make out what looked like medical records. God, no, God, don't, no, not this. And from around the corner through the same door, there I was. This version of me leaned against the door. My voice rang out the same way. A cold shot. You know I didn't mean for this to happen. I mean, how could I? If you had just been here, if you had just taken some time... I did everything I could to give him the insulin in time. You didn't even know where it was, Leo. You had to call me when you knew I couldn't answer. For how much he needed. God, of all the things that came out of my mouth that you ignored so you could be somewhere else. I'd forgotten just how that sentence went, but I remembered the words. This was the last time I saw Vivian. This was the day before Benny fell into a coma. My younger self didn't move from the doorway. 
Look, let's not do this now. Not now, Leo? When should we do it? When they tell us he's never waking up? When child services knocks on the door? What? Are, are you serious? The hell if I'm gonna let some government desk jockey tell me that I wasn't there for my boy. I was on that floor fighting as hard as I knew how. Harder than I had ever in my life. You wouldn't have to fucking fight so hard if you just listened. We stood there not knowing where to look. At least that's how I remember feeling. Viv spent her whole life just honest. She never let things fester. She kept the channels open, as she put it. And I remember watching her stand there, silent, for a long, long time. That was the moment she left me. I could feel that fury building all over again, and it made me sick. There was another pause, and then I spoke again. Is this how it's going to be? I'm always going to be the one who did this? Neither of us were enough to protect Benny. Now can we come through that door every day now and pretend that this world is just like we promised him? She stood there and then looked over at me with something I'd never seen before. Pity. Surrender. This time, she was the one who'd stopped listening. Then the whole room swept away in a mass of color and sound all around me. And there were the crawlers, their pinks and greens part of the wild rainbow. The sand settled and the walls and the ceilings were now craggy and black and damp, almost like stone. There was a firelight flicker coming from somewhere I couldn't see. It was just strong enough to brighten up a few feet around me. And now, where was I going? I tried looking around, seeing what I was dealing with, but I couldn't move and I still couldn't speak. And then from deep behind one of the drooping walls, I could make out a ragged shape ahead. Something was getting closer to me. It was a woman, a woman's face, or j just the eyes hanging there in the dark, big and bright, blue eyes with the yellow rings around the pupils. The ones everyone who knew her talked about, staring right at me, right through me. Jesse. And then it happened. I, I suddenly had my voice again. Where are you? I screamed. The eyes blinked like she didn't understand. Who took you? How do I help you? When she spoke, her voice rattled every bone. Here. You are here. here. What, 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 do you, what do you mean? Here. What else could I do here? And then that sickening drop in my stomach, and I was being thrust back through the sound and the color. Jesse's eyes were pale dots in a black sea. And then they were gone. 